I felt I was burned out. I was tired and I just probably wasn't super great to be around. <laughs> so it was a good thing that they were like, it's time for you to leave. Hey everyone and welcome back to Her to Find. So tomorrow is the first day of fall and I am, I'm just so here for it. Over on my Instagram, I asked you guys if you were down for the changing of the seasons and most of you said yes. There are a few of you that said no, you're still stuck in summer, but I hate to break it to you. I saw an orange leaf on one of the trees today. Autumn is coming. <laughs> Changing of seasons feels like the start of a new week or even a new year. It just inspires me to reflect on my habits, you know, really think about what I'm currently doing. Is it working for me? And how can I go about rejigging or tweaking any of the goals that I've set? This past weekend, I was reflecting with a friend about how so many things have changed for us in the past year, similar to what I was discussing in episode 20. And she said the way to put you know, all of this change at ease for her is to understand that change is constant and that there are seasons to your life. Then later on, of course, I was bombarded on TikTok with, you know, all these different TikToks of understanding and accepting the different seasons in your life and how to, how to make the best of it and all of this stuff. And that, you know, nothing is really ever constant, exactly what my friend was saying. So depending on what season you're in, really try to embrace and cherish what you currently have. Or if it's not so great, you know, just keep your head up and keep the faith because the sun will be shining on you once again. And speaking of fresh starts and, you know, riding the waves of all the different seasons in your life, today's guest is an expert in pretty much starting her career all over again and experiencing the lowest of lows and then coming out on the other side and achieving some of the highest points in her life thus far. I found Becca Slaughter when I read her article on theevergirl.com titled What I Learned from Nearly a Year of Unemployment. The article is linked in today's show notes, so I highly encourage you to read that before you listen to this episode. So pause, go click on that article, go read it, then come back because you're going to have way more context of everything we're chatting about. Becca has spent the majority of her career working as a TV producer for a large news network morning show in Oklahoma. Though her passion for her job soon diminished as she realized there were never enough hours in the day to get everything done and that she was becoming more and more consumed by her 9 to 5. She mentions everything in her life revolved around that news network. The majority of her friends were people she met at work and when they all hung out, really all they talked about was their job. And you might be saying to yourself, like, you know, that's not so bad if you can find meaningful relationships and friends where you work. You know, most people would call that a win. And, and I would agree for the most part. But Becca also says that her all-consuming job was leading her to feel, you know, burnt out, disengaged, and just generally not a nice person to be around. So from all of that, her employer decided for Becca that it would be best for her to leave her position, a.k.a. She literally got fired as the pandemic was about to start. In this episode, Becca shares everything from her experience of during her time being unemployed. She gives tips on how she survived working the night shift at her old TV producing job. She shares how she found her purpose outside of her profession. And she tells us how we can start all over again and come back stronger than ever. 
So let's start off with what has been your defining moment this past week. So this could be something good. It could be something bad, but something that has shaped your week and sort of um, shaped how you've gone about your week. Well, honestly, it has been the rising cases of the Delta variant. So full disclosure, we are planning a wedding right now. Um, And I recently was brought back into work. I know my article says that I'd been working from home and the past couple of weeks, they had just brought some of us back in and that has changed how we work. And that has changed some of our planning um, and working with our venue. So really the last week has been a lot of planning and setup and changes. And it really has been wrapped around the Delta variant and the cases going on. So both good and bad, you know, just trying to be as prepared as we possibly can be. and, you know, obviously it is a bummer because I feel like, especially here in America, we were getting really close and now we're starting to see some cases rise and it's getting a little concerning. <laughs> but So can you introduce yourself and give us a rundown of your career this far? Yes, of course. So I'm Becca Slaughter. I am originally from Oklahoma. I went to the University of Oklahoma and studied broadcast journalism. Um, when I got into school, I wasn't entirely sure what I wanted to do, but I knew I liked to write. And so that seemed like the most direct path to figure that out of what I wanted to do the rest of my life. Um, I'm one of the lucky ones who held on to my major all four years and, um, graduated and a couple months later was lucky enough to score a position, um, as an associate producer at the number one rated news station in Oklahoma city which was a really big deal. And in the TV markets in the US, um, it ranked in the 40s, which is a big deal um, for your first job. A lot of people usually get out and start in like the 120s, 130s, whatever it is. Um, So I was like, oh my gosh, yes, please hire me right now. I will do whatever you want. Um, So I was actually working on the morning show then. Fun. Oh yeah, it was quite the experience. Um, So my first shift was like 1 a.m. to 9 a.m. Um, shortly after, and for anyone out there who has worked on a morning show, it's usually kind of a revolving door of people. So shortly after I started, we lost our 4 a.m. producer and I stepped into that role. So I went from 1 a.m. to 9 a.m. to working 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. I was completely nocturnal. Um, but again, I was very lucky and only had to do that wild shift for about a year. Um, And then I ended up staying at that station for five years. Uh, It was my first place. And I was there from after graduation to five years later. And by the time I left, I had worked my way up to being the 5 p.m. producer, which was one of our biggest shows um, during the day side shift is what we call it. Like the normal people lifestyle of roughly a nine to five. Wow. Amazing. Can you talk a little bit about that? 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. shift and how you you said I only had to do it for a year I was like oh my gosh I don't even know if I could do it for like a month how did you normalize or like get comfortable with doing that because I feel like it's also a big change for your body oh absolutely and everyone's body reacts differently to that kind of schedule Um, But I got the best advice from my boss at the time. He was an amazing mentor to me. And he straight up told me like, when you're tired, go to sleep. Like, do not worry about the clock. Do not worry about what you think you have to be doing for a normal day. Go to sleep. And I really took that to heart. And I ended up on a schedule that 
you know, everyone ends up on their own sleep schedule in that, <laughs> in that lifestyle too. So I would leave work at 6am, go to the gym quickly. I'd end up in bed at like 10am and I would sleep while everyone was at work. And so I weirdly ended up getting like the most sleep of my life on that shift. I would get like a solid eight hours every day. Um, but you know, I wasn't seeing the sun ever because of when I was sleeping, obviously, especially in the winter. So my body, oh, I lost my hair. I lost a lot of weight. I, oh gosh. yeah, it was a wild time. But again, like I said, I, what I did love about it though, is that my weekend would start at 6am on Friday. Oh, true. That's a good way to look at it. So like people are like going to work, like, oh, it's Friday, like so excited. I'm like, it's my weekend actually. Um, (laughs) Super excited. But I mean, I would take a nap on Sundays, but it felt to me, I was able to like trick my mind into thinking I had a three-day weekend. True. Very true. I love that. That's amazing. So can you talk, you talked a little bit about this in the beginning, but you currently now have a position. Um, if you want to talk about a little bit about that and what you're doing, and you also said that you're slowly moving back into working, not from home. So if you want to talk about that too. Yeah. Um, I guess I left that part out of where I am now. Um, so I actually lost that job at the end of 2019, September, 2019, um, I was fired and it was a transformative experience for me. It was almost a year later. I got hired and started my new job here in Detroit, September 8th or 9th of 2020. So it was 11 months, um, of unemployment, but I am now working as a producer at a station here in Detroit. And I am very lucky to be in the place I am. I actually it's been an amazing experience. Um, obviously, there have been some hurdles with starting a job in the middle of a pandemic. I, I talk about this a little bit in the article I wrote for the Every Girl of not knowing my coworkers. And that is much more difficult than I thought it would be. Um, like it's, it was so bizarre to walk in. I mean, my first two months of work, um, they had me at the station, but I was sitting at a desk in a room pretty much by myself. I met like, I think a handful of people who were still working in the building. Everyone else was at home. Um, I wasn't able to go into the control room where like I would produce a show. I wasn't able to go into the studio. So I was producing a show for people I had never met um, in a studio I'd never seen um, with a director. I don't know who they are. It was the wildest experience. Can you talk about your favorite aspects of your job as a news producer? First of all, the easy thing is it's different every day. I walk in and I'm handed a 30 minute show or an hour long block of television, however long it is that day. And I'm just told to build it. Um, So it's going to be different every single day, depending on what's going on, um, And it's really exciting in that. And it allows me to be creative um, and tell amazing stories and sometimes difficult stories. And I take it really seriously. I'm incredibly passionate about what I do. um, And I really, I find it incredibly important. I'm one of the nerds, one of the old school people who still believe that journalism and journalists, we, we offer a public service. We are here to inform the public. And that is literally our only goal is to get the information to the people so they can be informed in their daily lives. 
um, and they can make decisions based on that information for themselves. Um, and so I really, really love that about my job is that I feel so fulfilled at the end of the day, even if like, I'm so hard on myself and I'm like, oh, that show could have been better. Or now that I'm thinking about it, I could have written this in a more creative way. I'm, I'm able to go home and know like, I still did my best and I still did something that helped someone else. Can you elaborate on your COVID-19 experience? Um, if you want to talk about being fired, that would be great because I'm sure someone listening to this is in, has been in the same boat and could probably relate or use some of your words of encouragement as well as talk <laughs> about the feelings that you experienced during your 11 months of being unemployed. Yes. So let's dive in. <laughs> it was quite a time. So I won't get into the nitty gritty of like why I left or what was going on, but it was time. Um, I was in a really dark place. I was very frustrated with where I was. I had just, I felt I was burned out. I was tired and I just probably wasn't super great to be around. (laughs) Um, So it was a good thing that they were like, it's time for you to leave. But I was just so upset that it wasn't my decision. And I get into this a little bit in the article with the emotions I was experiencing. It was everything. I was mad that they didn't want me there anymore. I was a little relieved that I didn't have to go back. Um, but I was sad that it, they made that decision for me. Um, and I, something was taken away from me that I loved so much as I was just talking about like how passionate I am about my job. It didn't matter if I was set about my surroundings and, um, just discouraged on a daily basis. It was still something I loved to do and it was taken away from me and there's also a level of embarrassment and I think that's why I do want to talk about this even though it is so kind of still difficult like writing this article was seriously like a therapy session for me I thought I had mentally processed everything last year and as I'm writing this I was like oh my goodness there are so many more things that I need to like rehash out or like I hadn't thought about this other thing before that I totally was experiencing. Um, it was uh, necessary. I'm glad I was given the opportunity. It, it is something that needs to be discussed. And that's why I wanted to talk about this and write about this, because there is this weird stigma about being unemployed or like, honestly, it even goes back to like being a stay at home mom or a stay at home dad, or there's just like this, ooh, what made you make that decision? Or like, well, why did you get fired? Or why did you step away from your job? Even if it was your decision, it's this weird touchy subject and it doesn't need to be that way, especially now. Um, Something that really opened my eyes was seeing the unemployment numbers in 2020. Now, obviously I did not lose my job because of the pandemic, but I was kind of wrapped into it because when we moved to Michigan, it was beginning of April which was about a month after things really got kind of crazy. Actually, my fiance, we're lucky enough that he was able to get a job and we were able to move here. But he actually signed his contract the day that the president was like, it's a national emergency. We were like, cool, (laughs) cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so we packed up, moved across the country. And I went from being unemployed generally to unemployed during COVID. And there were some positives in that and some negatives, but I feel like I got to see 
the, the both sides of it. When I first applied for unemployment, I didn't know if I was going to do it, but I had a friend, a very wise friend was like, do it. The money is there for you. Why do you think you shouldn't have it? And it was that question where I was like, why do I think I'm better than this? Why do I think I shouldn't take the help that's there when I clearly need it? And that is something that I think it's a weird pride thing for a lot of people. But it's also like, if you're struggling, our governments have set this up for us, take the money. But I think on the flip side of that, and especially last year, like I would have friends and loved ones and close people who I really respect talk about people who were, oh, they're just being lazy, taking unemployment or whatever. And I'm like, hi, I'm sitting in front of you right now as one of those people. And from what I hear out of your mouth, you don't think those things about me. So why do you assume that about someone else? Like we don't know everyone's situation. And I think we should stop trying to put every unemployed person in this box because there are so many different reasons why people end up in that situation. And it's not always because they were a bad employee or a bad person or bad at their job. They may just have ended up in a really weird situation or they needed to take care of their mental health and step away. This is the perfect example. When I was applying for unemployment in Michigan after we had moved here, obviously the pandemic had hit and they, the federal government had stepped in here. And there was now like a whole new list of like when you apply, you have to basically be approved under certain circumstances. Um, and when the federal government stepped in, there was a whole second list of circumstances that were linked to COVID-19. And some of them were just so heartbreaking, like the breadwinner of your family has died from this virus and you now have to step away from your job to take care of your kids. And it's like, what? And there are people out there who are just like, I think this person who is taking unemployment, stepping away from their job to take care of their family while they grieve the loss of a loved one is selfish and lazy. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Back in Oklahoma, when I first applied and I had to go to the unemployment office and like hand over my official forms and whatnot, and this may have been in my head, but I swear the guy behind the counter kind of gave me a stink eye. I was like, mm, you got fired, whatever it was. But like, there's just this bizarre stigma. And I think I, I had it for myself too. And that's why I was so embarrassed at first. But through this process, I feel like I have been empowered because like, ugh, there are just so many people out there who struggle during 2020. And it's something that we should be talking about. For sure. Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing this and like sitting down today with me because I think it's so true. We, we definitely need to talk about this more because there is such a stigma and like a sense of shame. It's so beyond me, but you summed it up perfectly. It is shame and people feel shame in being in that situation. And I feel like it is just how our society has been built on, you know, this 40 hour work week. We, it's what we do. And it's been like this for decades and it's all we know. So when you're not doing that anymore, people are like, Oh, you're not normal anymore. And it, I think it needs to change. And I hope it does because there's just, there are so many reasons why people step away from work, whether it's their decision or not. And it's difficult. So we shouldn't be making it more difficult by adding that layer of shame. I want to know if you think, and you sort of answered this a little bit in your article too, about 
if you think we are obsessed with our jobs and talk about your experience after you lost your job. How did you react when you were at the office giving your unemployment papers and you're like, oh wait, did I read that interaction wrong? Or was he actually like judging me? How did you go about those situations? First of all, I think obsessed is a strong word, but it's, we're close. Um, Whether we realize it or not, we put so much importance on our job title. I mean, even when you think about getting a promotion, sometimes people will just accept a different title without a pay bump or something else. And it's, it's all about the prestige of what you do. Um, and it comes down to a first impression even. I, when we moved here, obviously we were meeting new people. I have a dog, we'd be out at the dog park and people were like, oh, you're new, um, so what do you do? And it was such a hard question. And looking back now, similar to handing over my papers in the unemployment office, I don't know if I made it more of an issue than it was, but it was just so uncomfortable to be like, um, well, actually, I am in between jobs right now. <laughs> Cause you also don't want to straight up tell someone you just met, like, oh, I lost my job a couple months ago. <laughs> like I wasn't in the best place in handling that. Like I wasn't where I am now mentally in processing all of it. I was in a really dark place, had lost a lot of my confidence for obvious reasons. And so when someone asked me what I did and I didn't have an answer, you could just also see it on their face. Like, oh, uh, where do I go now from here in this conversation? And then you as the other person are like, oh, I did this in the conversation. Like it just, it's really just one of the most awkward awkward interactions to have with someone you just met. But it is so hard. And I do think going back to that question itself. So what do you do? And it is so weird to think that that is generally like the second thing we ask someone behind, like, what's your name? It's what do you do? And it, it boils down to, you know, how we think of people and how we think of ourselves ultimately and like how we value who we are. And in the article, you were talking a lot about confusing and contradictory emotions one feels when they've either left their job or have lost their job. And this could often be summarized as grieving the loss of who you once were. So can you also elaborate on this whole journey of grieving your past self? That mentality actually came from a good friend of mine. She had stepped away from her job. We worked together a long time ago in TV news and she had moved away. We kept in touch and she finally, for her mental health, she stepped away. She was like, you know what? I love this, but it is consuming me. It is swallowing me whole. I can't be here anymore. And she left like a very, very uh, nice income and a cushy position and uh, to take time for herself she said she struggled with it. She was struggling with anxiety, depression, struggling to wake up in the morning and talking with her therapist. She finally was like, her therapist finally was like, Oh, you're grieving the loss of your identity. It's not the loss of a job. Like you found yourself in that. And now that it's gone, you don't know who you are right now. And when she shared that with me, It was so eye-opening and it was like a light bulb moment. I was like, oh my gosh. It also gave me permission to feel the way I did, which I needed. I was 
dealing with the same things, right? Like I just had this thing taken away from me. And even though I was so upset, I mean, think about it. We spend so much time working at our jobs. Most of us work a 40 hour work week and some people actually, a lot of people work more than that. Um, And I think even this past year with a lot of people working from home, the lines between off time and work time have been so blurred. They're Obviously, there are some managers who took advantage of you being at home and were like, oh, it's seven o'clock. I'm just going to shoot them this email. Like, even if you weren't constantly working all day, your brain was thinking that at least in the back of your mind, it was constantly thinking through, oh, I need to send that email. Oh, I didn't tell that person this one thing. And it, it kind of took over for a lot of people. For me, even before the pandemic, I was just not in a great place with where I was at work. And I did feel like it was consuming me and it was swallowing me whole. And I mean, 90% of the people I hung out with in Oklahoma were people I worked with. And so then being pushed out, it was like, well, where do I go from here? And what made it honestly harder for me was that my fiance was still working at that same station. So he was still having to go into work every day and talk with the managers that let me go. Really, when my friend was like, you're just grieving, because I was sad, and I was mad, and embarrassed, and all of these things, literally at once, man, I wish there was a word for that emotion, because it is so specific. I would be sitting there, and like fuming, and you can just feel like your skin is warm, but then the next second, I would be so sad that that whole chunk of my life had been ripped away and I'd be sobbing and then I'd be embarrassed that I was so upset about it but then also embarrassed to show my face to my former co-workers like uh it is and anyone who has anyone who's felt that knows exactly what I'm talking about and it is a miserable place to be but when I was told it was a grieving process it Some of that embarrassment kind of went away because I was finally allowed to feel the way that I did and really process what I was going through and then step back and be like, ooh, I shouldn't have let that become all of me because it's not. I think grief, it's not as intense, but it's still there. Like you can definitely have days where you're feeling a lot better depending on how long the process has been, but some days will be harder than others. So in your process now, how have you reclaimed your identity? So I would say during that time, I mean, it, it did take a long time. Um, I kind of get into this in my writing. I just really let myself do a lot of nothing. And some people would say to me like, oh, why don't you pick up painting? Or why don't you pick up this other hobby? And it's like, that's really great. I'm very sad right now. Can we not? Like crying into my painting. (laughs) Yeah, like, I'm sorry. I need to just watch all of the Netflix right now and just do absolutely nothing. Which some days was really good for me and other days was really not good for me. But just sitting in the moment and letting myself process everything, letting myself sleep in was so good. And ultimately though, I mean, my mom would be like, well, why don't you try PR? Why don't you try something else? Like maybe this is a good opportunity to 
change your course. And for some people, that is a great time to do that is, you know, you have this wide open door, step through it, figure something else out. Like that is great. But for me, it was even more telling. It was like, oh no, this is what I need to be doing. I need to get back into TV news. I need to get back into some form of journalism and writing. And it made it much more clear that this is what I actually love to do. And it was a time for me to recognize that I can love doing something without it being everything I do. What advice can you give listeners who are consistently relating their value or feel like this pressure to define themselves by their career or their self-worth to their career or job title that they currently hold? I would recommend taking a step back and really taking stock of how you're spending your time every day, your off time, your work time, and then look at your goals, personal and professional, and really think about like, am I spending my time in a way that will help me reach these goals, both personally and professional? Because more often than not, we're not doing that. We just put our heads down and we do the work, whatever it may be. We hustle as much as we can and we think we're getting there, but sometimes we're just going through the motions and we don't, we don't know where it's going to end up. And I mean, you can end up in a job for five years that you thought you were going to be there for two because you just stayed and there's nothing wrong with that. But I do think it's important now to take a step back and really look at how, how your time is and how it's serving you. I try to turn my phone off. I don't have email notifications from work on my phone. I really try to tune it out as much as I possibly can. I mean, working in news, it is very difficult because breaking news happens all the time. But I do try to like really step back and turn off when I need to and recognize when I need to. And that it takes time to recognize that. You need to be really in tune with where you are mentally and what you need that day. And if you need to rest that day, great. If you need to go out for lunch with friends, do it. Sometimes it, it takes turning off of work and putting your phone down and not looking at it for an hour or two. And you know, if someone calls you and you're off, that's their problem, not yours. Like, sorry, like we got to put some, got to put some self-worth there. Like you're important too. Yes. We have to put some boundaries in place. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Boundaries. Oh, they're so necessary. And I, I think we don't, don't prioritize them enough. Right. If anything, the, I think the one positive thing that could have come out of last year was first off understanding what the heck boundaries are. (laughs) as well as learning how we can start to implement them. So now I have the big question that I ask every (laughs) single guest, and I'm really interested to see how you're going to answer this because this is basically what the entire episode is about. And how do you define yourself in relation to your career? And if you kind of want to do like, you could do one of how you defined yourself like a, a year or two years ago versus how you define yourself now and how the outlook has sort of changed. Looking back on 2019, my job was everything. And oh, so miserable. I loved what I did every day, but I was just not in a good place where I needed to be, um, at least for me. And But it was just, it was all consuming. I would walk into work and be frustrated and then I'd leave and just 
talk about it and complain about it all night. And then that weekend I would hang out with the people I worked with and we just complain about work the whole time. It was everything. Um, now, um, I see it as something that I, I said it this whole episode. I'm very passionate about my work. I'm very proud of it. Um, it is something though that I just do. It is not all of who I am. Um, if someone does ask me what I do though, I will absolutely tell them I'm a TV news producer. Um, but it's, I do make it clear, like that's not the only thing I'm gonna talk to you about. That's not the only thing I do talk about or that's not the only thing or the only way I spend my time. Um, I am there quite often and I do enjoy it. But like I said, I define it as just something I do now and something that pays the bills. So what's currently making you excited and what are you looking forward to? Right now, I can do both personal and professional. Uh, Right now I am at work. I'm looking forward to new opportunities in the next few weeks. I have some new shows I'm going to fill in on. I'll get to meet some more of my coworkers. We just hired some new people. Um, But yeah, I'm starting to, since things are more or less open around here, I've started to actually like, you know, go get a drink or some dinner with a coworker. And it's, it's so nice. Um, especially even just moving to a new place, even if you haven't just started a new job, it's like, oh, just meeting new people is amazing. Um, and personal, the wedding is coming up and that is, you know, the clock is ticking, things are getting real. Um, we did have to postpone. It was supposed to be back in March. And so Mm -hmm. now it's like, oh, this one's actually going to (laughs) happen. When is it? November 6th. Oh, that's exciting. Yes, it is getting close because like so summer's getting, almost over. <laughs> I know we're getting to the time where it's like the bachelorette is coming up. The showers so are coming up. Oh, we're going to be doing all of the traveling. Speaking of, I need to find a place for my dog to stay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, those are, that's what I have going on. That's very exciting. A lot of good stuff to look forward to. And it's nice. It's a perfect way to like summarize your article because it's a perfect blend of business and personal. Thank you. Thank you. Took some time to get here, but glad, glad we made it. (laughs) If you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to support is by liking, following, rating, and reviewing on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am entirely grateful to those that have already left a review or have reached out to me. And if you're wanting more tips and content from each episode, be sure to follow on Instagram at Podcast. New episodes are released Tuesdays, so turn on your notifications for the platform that you listen to so you don't miss an episode. <laughs>